Hare Krishna, dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, <clears throat> right here in the live studios in Hyde, Kent, Southeast England, just near the English Channel. And we'd like to uh, seriously dedicate this reading to the devotees in the Ukraine who are going through very, very difficult times. Uh, we pray for their well-being and their uh, their safety. <clears throat> In the meantime, we're going to recite, as we always do, Srimad Bhagavata Mahimastotram <clears throat> from Sri Krishna Lila Stava by Srila Sanatana Goswami, who spent more time uh, with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu being instructed in, in one piece of time than anyone else. And he wrote these glorious uh, appreciations of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the glories of the Bhagavatam actually. It goes like this. Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kali Dvandotita Ditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who were supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of Prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka Bando Matsangin Madguru Mad Mahadana Manisdadaka Mad Bhagya Mad Anandana Mostute. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atini chuchata kara hanamun chagadachin mam premna ritkanta yukspura O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Okay, we reached the 18th chapter of the Srimad, of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, 
which is the last chapter in the first canto. We're starting with text 18. Sutta Goswami is praying. And what to speak of those who are under the direction of the great devotees, chanting the holy name of the unlimited, who has unlimited potency. The personality of Godhead, unlimited in potency and transcendental by attributes, is called Ananta, the unlimited. Purport. The Dvija Bandhus, or the less intelligent, uncultured men, born of higher castes, put forward many arguments against the principle of lower-class men becoming brahmanas in this life. They argue that birth in a family of shudras or less than shudras is made possible by one's previous sinful acts and that one therefore has to complete the terms of disadvantages due to lower birth and to answer this false and to answer these false logicians Srimad Bhagavatam asserts that one who chants the holy name of the Lord under the direction of a pure devotee can at once get free from the disadvantages due to a lower caste birth a pure devotee of the Lord does not commit any offenses while chanting the holy name of the Lord. There are ten of different offenses in the chanting of the holy name of the Lord. To chant the holy name under the direction of a pure devotee means to chant offenselessly. Offenseless chanting of the holy name of the Lord is transcendental. And therefore, such chanting can at once purify one from the effects of all kinds of previous sins. This offenseless chanting indicates that one has fully understood the transcendental nature of the holy name and has thus surrendered unto the Lord. Transcendentally, the holy name of the Lord and the Lord Himself are identical, being absolute. The holy name of the Lord is as powerful as the Lord. The Lord is the all-powerful personality of Godhead and He has innumerable names which are all non-different from Him and are equally powerful also. In His last instruction of the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord asserts that one who surrenders fully unto Him is protected from all sins by the grace of the Lord. And since His name and He Himself are identical, the holy name of the Lord can similarly protect the devotee from all effects of sins. The chanting of the holy name of the Lord can undoubtedly deliver one from the disadvantages of a lower caste birth. The Lord's unlimited power is extended on and on by the unlimited expansion of His devotees and incarnations, and thus every devotee and incarnation can also be equally surcharged with the potency of the Lord. Since the devotees are surcharged with the potency of the Lord, even fractionally, 
the disqualification due to, due to lower birth cannot stand in the way. Text 20. It is now ascertained that He, the Personality of Godhead, is unlimited, and there is none equal to Him. <clears throat> Consequently, no one can speak of Him adequately. Great demigods cannot obtain the favor of the Goddess of Fortune, even by prayers. But this very Goddess renders service unto the Lord, although he is unwilling to have such service. PURPORT According to the Shrutis, the Personality of Godhead, or the Parameshwara, Parabrahman, has nothing to do. He has no equal, nor does anyone excel him. He has unlimited potencies, and his every action is carried out systematically in his natural and perfect ways. Thus, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is full in himself, and he has nothing to accept, and he has nothing to accept from anyone else, including the great demigods, like Brahma. Others ask for the favor of the Goddess of Fortune, and despite such prayers, she declines to award such favors. But still, she renders service under the Supreme Personality of Godhead, although he has nothing to accept from her. The Personality of Godhead, in his Garbhodakashayi Vishnu feature, begets Brahma, the first created person in the material world, from his, from his navel, lotus stem, and not in the womb of the Goddess of Fortune, who was eternally engaged in his service. These are some of the instances of his complete independence and perfection. The statement that he has nothing to do does not mean he is impersonal. He is transcendentally so full of inconceivable potencies that simply by his willing, everything is done without physical or personal endeavor. He is therefore called Yogeshwar, or the Lord of all mystic powers. Text 21 Who can be worthy of the name of the Supreme Lord but the Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna? Brahmaji collected the water emanating from the nails of his feet in order to award it to Lord Shiva as a worshipful welcome. This very water, the Ganges, is purifying the whole universe, including Lord Shiva. PURPORT The conception of many gods in the Vedic literatures by the ignorant is completely wrong. The Lord is one without a second, but He expands Himself into many, and this is confirmed in the Vedas. Such expansions of the Lord are limitless. Some of them are the Supreme Lord Himself in full, and some of them, and some of them are the living entities. The living entities are not as powerful as the Lord's plenary expansions. And therefore, there are two different types of expansions. Lord Brahma, 
is generally one of the living entities. And Lord Shiva is between the Lord and the living entities. In other words, even demigods like Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva, who are the chief amongst all demigods, are never equal to or greater than Lord Vishnu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Goddess of Fortune, Lakshmi, and all the powerful demigods like Brahma and Shiva are engaged in the worship of Vishnu or Lord Krishna. Therefore, who can be more powerful than Mukunda, Lord Krishna, and thus factually deserve to be called the Supreme Personality of Godhead? The Goddess of Fortune, Lakshmiji, Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva are not independently powerful. They are powerful as expansions of the Supreme Lord and all of them are engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. And so also are the living entities. There are four sects of worshipful devotees of the Lord and the chief amongst them are the Brahma Sampradaya, Rudra Sampradaya and Sri Sampradaya descending directly from Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva and the Goddess of Fortune, Lakshmi, respectively. Besides the above-mentioned three Sampradayas, there is the Kumara, Kumara Sampradaya, descending from Sanat Kumara. All of the four original Sampradayas are still scrupulously engaged in the transcendental loving service, the transcendental service of the Lord up to the present day. And they, are, and they all declare that Lord Krishna, Mukunda, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that no other personality is equal to Him or greater than Him. Text 22 Self-controlled persons who are attached to the Supreme Lord Sri Krishna can all of a sudden give up the world of material attachment including the gross body and subtle body and go away to attain the highest perfection of the renounced order of life in, in which non-violence and renunciation are consequent. PURPORT Only the self-controlled can gradually be attached to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Self-controlled means not indulging in sense enjoyment more than is necessary. And those who are not self-controlled are given over to sense enjoyment. Dry philosophical spe speculation is a subtle type, a subtle sense enjoyment of the mind. Sense enjoyment leads one to the path of darkness. Those who are self-controlled can make progress on the path of liberation from the conditional life or mater of material existence. The Vedas therefore enjoin that one should not go on the path of darkness but should make a progressive march towards the path of light or liberation. Self-control is actually achieved not by artificially stopping the senses from material enjoyment but by becoming factually attached to the Supreme Lord 
by engaging one's unalloyed senses in the transcendental service of the Lord. The senses cannot be forcibly curbed, but they can be given proper engagement. Purified senses, therefore, are always engaged in the transcendental service of the Lord. This perfectional stage of sense engagement is called Bhakti Yoga. So those who are attached to the means of Bhakti Yoga are factually self-controlled and can all of a sudden give up their homely or bodily attachment for the service of the Lord. This is called the Paramahamsa stage. Hamsas, or swans, accept only milk out of a mixture of milk and water. Similarly, those who accept the service of the Lord instead of the service of matter are called Paramahamsas. They are naturally qualified with all the good attributes, such as pridelessness, freedom from vanity, nonviolence, tolerance, simplicity, respectability, worship, devotion, and sincerity. All these godly qualities exist in the devotee of the Lord spontaneously. Such Paramahamsas, who are completely given up to the service of the Lord, are very rare. They are very rare even amongst the liberated souls. Real nonviolence means freedom from envy. In this world, everyone is envious of his fellow being. But a perfect Paramahamsa, being completely given up to the service of the Lord, is perfectly non-envious. He loves every living being in relation with the Supreme Lord. Real renunciation means perfect dependence on God. <clears throat> Every living being is dependent on someone else because he is so made. Actually, everyone is dependent on the mercy of the Supreme Lord. But when one forgets his relation with the Lord, he becomes dependent on the conditions of material nature. Renunciation means renouncing one's dependence on the conditions of material nature and thus becoming completely dependent on the mercy of the Lord. Real independence means complete faith in the mercy of the Lord without dependence on the conditions of matter. This Paramahamsa stage is the highest perfectional stage of Bhakti Yoga, the process of devotional service to the Supreme Lord. Śrīla Prabhupāda Ki Chai. Cheers. Text 23. <clears throat> o Rishis, who are as powerful, who is, O Rishis, who are as powerfully pure as the sun, I shall try to describe to you the transcendental pastimes of Vishnu as far as my knowledge allows. As the birds fly in the sky as far as their capacity allows, so do the learned devotees describe the Lord as far as their realization allows. PURPORT The Supreme Absolute Truth <clears throat> is unlimited. 
No living being can know about the unlimited by his limited capacity. The Lord is impersonal, personal, and localized. By his impersonal feature, he is all-pervading, Brahman. By his localized feature, he is present in everyone's heart as the Supreme Soul. And by his ultimate personal feature, he is the object of transcendental loving service by his fortunate associates, the pure devotees. As birds can fly in only part of the sky, similarly the great learned devotees can only partly estimate the pastimes of the Lord in different features. So Srila Sutta Goswami has rightly taken this position in describing the pastimes of the Lord as far as he has realized. Factually, only the Lord himself can describe himself and his learned devotee <clears throat> can also describe him as far as the Lord gives him the power of description. Texts 24 and 25 Once upon a time, Maharaj Pariksit, while engaged in hunting in the forest with bow and arrows, became extremely fatigued, hungry and thirsty while following the stags. While searching for a reservoir of water, he entered the hermitage of the well-known Shamika Rishi and saw the sage sitting silently with closed eyes. PURPORT The Supreme, the Supreme Lord is so kind to his pure devotees that in proper time he calls such devotees up to him and thus creates an auspicious circumstance for the devotee. Maharaj Prikshit was a pure devotee of the Lord and there was no reason for him to become extreme, extremely fatigued, hungry and thirsty because a devotee of the Lord never becomes perturbed by such bodily demands. But by the desire of the Lord, even such a devotee can become apparently fatigued and thirsty just to create a situation favorable for his renunciation of worldly activities. One has to give up all attachment for worldly relations before one is able to go back to Godhead. And thus, when a devotee is too much attached, too much absorbed in worldly affairs, the Lord creates a situation to cause indifference. The Supreme Lord never forgets his pure devotee, even though the latter may be engaged in so-called worldly affairs. Thus the Lord sometimes creates an awkward situation and the devotee becomes obliged to renounce all worldly affairs. The devotee can understand the situation by the signal of the Lord, but others take it to be unfavorable and frustrating. Maharaj Prikshit was to become the medium for the revelation of Srimad Bhagavatam by Lord Sri Krishna, as his grandfather Arjuna was the medium for the Bhagavad Gita. Had Arjun not been taken up with an illusion of family affection by the will of the Lord, the Bhagavad Gita would not have been spoken by the Lord Himself for the good 
of all concern. Similarly, had Maharaj Pariksit not been fatigued, hungry and thirsty at this time, Srimad Bhagavatam would not have been spoken by Srila Sukadeva Goswami, the prime authority of Srimad Bhagavatam. So this is a prelude to the circumstances under which Srimad Bhagavatam was spoken for the benefit of all concerned. The prelude therefore begins with the words, once upon a time. Text 26 The Muni's sense organs, breath, mind and intelligence were all restrained from material activities and he was situated in a trance apart from the three, wakefulness, dream and unconsciousness. Having achieved a transcendental position qualitatively equal with the Supreme Absolute. Purport It appears that the Muni whose hermitage the king entered was in yogic trance. The transcendental position is attained by three processes, namely the process of jnana, or theoretical knowledge of transcendence, the process of yoga, or factual realization of trance, by manipulation of the physiological and psychological functions of the body, and the most approved process of bhakti-yoga, or the engagement of, of senses in the devotional service of the Lord. In the Bhagavad Gita also, we have the information of the gradual development of perception from matter to a living entity. Our material mind and body develop from the living entity, the soul, and thus, and being influenced by the three qualities of matter, we forget our real identity. The jnana process theoretically speculates about the reality of the soul, but bhakti-yoga factually engages the spirit soul in activities. The perception of matter is transcendental to still subtle the perception of matter is transcended to still subtle state, subtler states of the senses. <clears throat> That's a tongue twister. Still subtler, still subtler states of the senses. I'll read it again. The perception of matter is transcended to still subtler states of the senses. The senses are transcended to the subtler mind and then to the breathing activities and gradually to the intelligence. Beyond the intelligence, the living entity, the living soul is realized by the mechanical activities of the yoga system or the practice of meditation in which one restrains the senses, regulates the breathing system and applies one's intelligence to rise to the transcendental position. This trance stops all material activities of the body. The king saw the Muni in that position. He also saw the Muni as follows. Text 27 The sage in meditation was covered by the skin of a stag and long compressed hair was scattered all over him. The king 
whose palate was dry from thirst, asked him for water. Purport The king, being thirsty, asked the sage for water. That such a great devotee and king asked for water from, the, from a sage absorbed in trance was certainly providential. Otherwise, there was no chance of such a unique happening. Maharaj Pariksit was thus placed in an awkward position so that gradually Srimad Bhagavatam could be revealed. Text 28 The king, not received by any formal welcome, by means of being offered a seat, a place, water, and sweet addresses, considered himself neglected, and so thinking, he became angry. Purport The law of reception in the codes of Vedic principles states that even if an enemy is received at home, he must be received with all respects. He should not be given a chance to understand that he has come into the house of an enemy. When Lord Krishna, accompanied by Arjuna and Bhima, approached Jarasandha in Magadha, the respectable enemies were given a royal reception by King Jarasandha. One guest enemy, namely Bhima, was to fight with Jarasandha, and yet they were given a grand reception. At night, they used to sit down together as friends and guests, and in the daytime, Bhima and Jarasandha would fight, risking life and death. That was the law of reception. The reception law enjoins that a poor man who has nothing to offer his guest should be good enough to offer a straw mat for sitting, a glass of water for drinking, and some sweet words. Therefore, to receive a guest, neither friend or foe, either friend or foe, there is no expense. It is only a question of good manners. Srila <laughs> Prabhupada Kijai. When Maharaj Pariksit entered the door of Shemika Rishi, he did not expect a royal reception by the Rishi because he knew that saints and Rishis are not materially rich men. But he never expected that a seed of straw, a glass of water, and some sweet words would be denied to him. He was not an ordinary guest, nor was he an enemy of the Rishi, and therefore the cold reception by the Rishi astonished the king greatly. As a matter of fact, the king was right to get angry with the Rishi when he was needed, when he needed a glass of water very badly. To become angry in such a grave situation was not unnatural for the king, but because the king himself was not less than a great saint, his becoming angry and taking action were astonishing. So it must be accepted that it was so ordained by the supreme will of the Lord. The king was a great devotee of the Lord, and the saint was also as good as the king. But by the will of the Lord, the circumstances were so created that they became, that, that they became ways to the king's 
becoming unattached to family connection and governmental activities, and thus becoming a completely surrendered soul under the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. The merciful Lord sometimes creates such awkward positions for his pure devotee in order to drag the devotee towards himself from the mire of material existence. But outwardly, the situations appear to be frustrating the devotee. The devotee of the Lord is always under the protection of the Lord. And in any condition, frustration or success, the Lord is the supreme guide for the devotee. The pure devotee, therefore, accepts all conditions of frustration as blessings from the Lord. Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai. And well, this, it's 7.50 already. I mean, that didn't take long, did it? So we'll start at text 29 tomorrow. All right, and we're waiting for our Master of Ceremonies, Abhay Das Brahmachari, to uh, start the proceedings. First is from Pranata Karuna. Alibaba Pranata Karuna. Hare Krishna, please. I'm listening to your voice messages, but there's lots of them, so it'll take me a little time. Hare Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to your service. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. <clears throat> Jai, all glories to His Divine Grace. It's from Rati Manjari. Mm. Rati. <clears throat> Jai Guru Maharaj, happy to see you on this auspicious day. All glories to Srila Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj, Srila Rasikananda Prabhu, and Srila Tamal Krishna Goswami. Yes, it is a very auspicious day. Thank you for bringing it up. And you're, therefore, you're the perfect hostess with the mostess. <laughs> Whose 20th disappearance we are celebrating today. Yes. Yes, I was, I was there. In more ways than one. Hare Krishna. From Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Yes, Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, and all assembled devotees, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, and our prayers to the victims of war in Ukraine and Russia. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. And from Rai Kanu. Yes, Rai Kanu Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna, dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Jai, all glories to His Divine Grace. He, Hare Krishna. And Sri Devi Dasi says, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Jai, Sri Devi Dasi, Hare Krishna. And this is from Thomas Haribo. Thomas. 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 Oh, Hare Krishna, Thomas. Haribo. Today I was listening to a Prabhupada Memories video that you were on. 
Well, you recalled an audience with Srila Prabhupada where your book distribution service was being related to him. Prabhupada said, are you reading my books? You were, along with your dear friend and godbrother Vaisheshika Das, who is even now reading Prabhupada's books in Govardhan. Yeah. Then I thought, wow, it's 2022, 50 years later. Yes, exactly. Prabhupada's question echoes down through the decades, and today you can still both say, yes, Prabhupada, we are still reading your books. Every day. Haribo. Every day, both of us. He's my best friend. Hare Krishna, thank you very much for that lovely remembrance. Thank you. That was Ratiatra, 1974, San Francisco, California. And from Christopher Kenzior. Haribo, Christopher. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisance. Jai Ho. Welcome aboard. It's nice to see you coming regularly. Hare Krishna. Bhaktarupa. Yes, Bhaktarupa. Jai Maharaj, thank you very much for reading. I wondered what are the qualifications for Krishna to give one the power to describe him. To describe him. We can describe Krishna according to the degree of our surrender, or you might say degree of our sincerity, the, the proportion of advancement in, in spiritual life. But we should, whatever we, wherever we are, as, as we heard in the verse, or the purport, yeah, the verse, the birds fly as high as they can in the sky. The sky is unlimited, but the birds can only fly in a certain section of the sky according to their capacity. So whatever your capacity is, if you try sincerely to glorify the, uh, the Lord uh, to others, uh, no matter how big or small, the Lord becomes very pleased with you. It's not that you have to become a, a big world acharya in order to please the Lord. Of course, those persons who sacrifice everything and are very advanced and bring many, many people into devotional service in their life, they're very special. They're, they're, the Lord is partial to them. Not exactly partial, but He is reciprocal. He reciprocates with them due to the, uh, the proportion of their service. So... Yes, in one sense it doesn't matter because from any place you can sincerely hear and chant and you can sincerely serve the Lord in menial service in so many ways and become successful. There's no physical limitation in any circumstance, in any state of life. If one sincerely serves Krishna for his satisfaction, then he, from within the heart, gives us what we need to overcome the material circumstances. And, as we heard, sometimes he'll arrange an awkward situation for the devotee to be able to step out of the material world, to facilitate the devotee. 
That was the main subject of today's reading. How the Lord sometimes creates even an awkward situation for the Lord. Prabhupada was asked by Bhaktisiddhanta in dream, I think two or three times, to come and join him and take sannyas. And at first Prabhupada was terrified. You know, take sannyas? Me? Because <laughs> he was truly humble, truly a great soul. But he finally agreed because Krishna arranged for his business to fail and his wife not to be cooperative. And yes, he just surrendered to Krishna. So to surrender to Krishna means you give, you dedicate your life to his service. From whatever time in your life you, you from whenever in your life you come in contact with Krishna consciousness and the devotees of Krishna, uh, from that time, if you dedicate your life, then Krishna becomes very pleased with you and He takes care of you, no doubt. And Vaishishika Prabhu and I are evidences of the fact. So what does it take? It takes sincerity and honesty. That's all. Truthfulness. If you're fallen, then admit it and be truthful and serve. And Krishna will give you the strength. He'll give you the intelligence. Hare Krishna. From Jama Ratu. Jama Ratu. Hare Krishna. Jai Sri Radha Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances, Guru Maharaj Keshava. Jai Hare Krishna. The world are getting to hear the valuable message of the Bhagavat Mao. I mentioned the conversation between a cow and a bull and Sri Maharaj Parikshit's name has been all over Facebook this week and also the story from Valmiki Ramayana about Rama asking about the greatest power to defeat Ravana mm. and him being told it was Yajna mm. very important messages this darshan you give which is like sweet kirtan will help get out the message of the holy name out there. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Chanting the Maha Mantra is magic. How kind Sri Krishna is. He is here now incarnated in the form of his name. Yes, and his pastimes in, front of, in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam. You mentioned the Kumara Sampradaya. Can I please ask, do you know what scriptures speak of the Ashvini Kumaras? Are there two and of the four Kumaras or were they born from Samudra Mantan, the churning of the ocean of milk? No. The four Kumaras uh, Sanat Sanantan Sanatana and the four Kumaras were born from the mind of Lord Brahma. 
they were mind-born sons, as was Narada, Muni. And the Rishi, the, tw the twin, uh, the twin uh, Rishis, not Rishis, what are they called? They were they're demigods, that's all. That's all. That's all I know. Hare Krishna. I mean, there may be more details about that given in the Puranas somewhere, but I haven't heard them. So I can't speak of them. Nimbarka Swami was the founder of Charya and the Kali Yuga who reinvigorated that Sampradaya of the four Kumaras. Uh, but, you know, I think it changed a little afterwards because he didn't talk about Radha and Krishna very much. But now, uh, at least one branch of them in Govardhan uh, speaks about, that's all they speak about. But it doesn't, it doesn't come in the writings of, uh, of uh, Nimbarka. Hare Krishna. So these things are going on and therefore Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had to come and eventually all these four uh, uh, lines of authority will become one line of authority under Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That is destined to happen in the Kali Yuga. We don't know when, but it's, 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 it's told, it's foretold in the Vavisha Purana. This is also from Gemma. Hare yeah. Krishna, Gemma. Yes, four sons of Brahma Kumaras. There is a chapter in the Srimad Bhagavatam. But the two Ashwini Kumaras, are they different? Yes. The two Ashwini Kumaras are demigods. They're not mind son, mind born sons of Brahma. They come later on. Hare Krishna. From Bhakta Rupa? Yes, Bhakta Rupa. He says, Thank you for your answer, Maharaj. It takes some pressure off to know that sincerity of purpose is more important than one's material ability. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We see the vast range of or spectrum of devotees in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. You know, Kolavesha Sridhar, just such a poor person. He just makes a living out of making some, you know, leaf cups from banana trees that he has and uh, spends half of it on the Ganges, worshipping the Ganges and half of it to maintain himself. But Lord Chaitanya went there every day to see him and drank from his, his water pot and joked with him, and he was one of the most intimate devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Others were very, Shivananda Saint, he was very wealthy, very influential. But they were both intimate associates of Lord Chaitanya. Maharaj Prataburu, the king, you know. So there's no material. Uh, 
qualification for devotional service. Qualification is you have to have met a devotee who is connected to Lord Chaitanya through the disciplic succession and is following strictly and is, and is speaking from the Gita and the Bhagavatam without changing the message. That's what it means to dedicate one's life to the service of the Lord. Hare Krishna. All right, I thank you all again. Wait, there's some more coming. From Rati Manjari? Yes, Rati, I was wondering. Dear Guru Maharaj, <coughs> Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my respectful obeisances. Somewhere in the reading of tonight it was said that an advanced devotee will receive a signal of the Lord. Please excuse me for not being able to give the exact reference. I am a little out of out of the ordinary on this special day. It made me think of the sudden disappearance of my Gurudev, which came unexpected to most of us. Yes, it yes. The Lord arranges um, to bring his devotee back to him. Uh, when he wants. It's the Lord's sweet will. Uh, it's not possible to figure it out with your with your intelligence. You can't catch Krishna in the fist of your intelligence. But Krishna makes the arrangements to pull his devotee, especially his intimate devotees that have, that, that have special missions to accomplish on his behalf. Just see what the Pandavas went through. All the difficulties, all the awkward situations. But they were pure devotees of the Lord. They never became disturbed and lost their faith in Krishna, and therefore, whenever he needed them, they he was. Whenever they needed him, he was right there for them, every time. Draupadi was. They were attempting to make her naked, and he became a, a long sorry that even the big Chetria warriors, you know, became exhausted trying to take it off of her. <laughs> And she finally just put her hands in the air because she realized there was nothing she could do. And she said, Hey, Govinda. And, and Krishna was there in an instant. Hare Krishna. again. Mm. My godbrother Vishwambar, who was serving him in Mayapur at that time, said that Maharaj told him that tomorrow he would be going home. Vishwambar asked him, Do you mean London? But then he did not answer. Sentiment. Since you said that you were personally present, would you perhaps elaborate a little on your experience of that fateful day? Only if you want to. 
Well, it was quite a day. And uh, it might take too, too long for me to do it justice. But we were all in the temple room chanting Japa. And the word came that there was an accident. And immediately, a number of sannyasis uh, ran to the cars and ran to go to the place where he was. And myself, Giridhari Maharaj, and Radhanath Maharaj, were, we, we got there a little late and there was no car. So we went to the office of, I can't remember his name, something Gopal, Venu Gopal? Anyway, he was in charge of the guest house. Um, and we went there. There was a telephone there. And uh, we were waiting for a car to go. And that's when we got the word that he had left his body. So Girit Harmaraj and I and, and Radhanath Maharaj, we went up to Bhakti Churu Maharaj's quarters because there was facility there for telephone and everything. And uh, on the way there, we, we ran into, just outside of Bhakti Churu Maharaj's room, there were a, a, a group of, of your god sisters and god brothers who were obviously in great distress. So Radnath Maharaj stayed there to console them and Giridhari Maharaj and I went into Bhakti Chu Maharaj's quarters to man the phones and to let devotees know what had happened. And mystically, everyone we called already knew about it. It was a very, very mystical experience. And then I got a very strong intuition, a very strong feeling that Tamal Krishna Maharaj wanted to be interred in Mayapur. Now everyone knew that he was, uh, that he wanted to be, his samadhi to be in Govardhan. Everyone knew it. I knew it. All of his closest friends knew it. So Govinda Maharaj and Shiva Maharaj were there along with Chaipataka Maharaj, Chaidwaita Maharaj and others. Uh, and I got a, we got a phone call from them that they were going to prepare his body to go to Govardhan. And I somehow or other I said to Govinda Maharaj over the phone, no, he wants to come here. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know how to explain this, but I'm sure that he wants to be here. So please bring him here and we'll bathe him in the Ganga and then, then we can decide. So somehow or other, he agreed. I mean, this is very unusual. Very unusual, because all those big guns were there. And I was such a pipsqueak. And uh, 
so then um, we got a call from Yudhishthir. You know Yudhishthir Rati. And he was one of the, he was an executor of his will, and he had the will with him. And sure enough, the will talked about him wanting to be interred in Govardhan. So he called, and he was very angry. He said, why have you made this decision? I don't know how he knew, but anyway, he knew uh, that he should be brought to Mayapur. And then Dhirid Haimaraj was very cool-headed. I don't know if you know him. He's a very cool-headed person. He said, okay, Yudhishthir, you just read out to us that section of the will, and we'll write it down as you speak. And then, if it's if it's if it's clear, then we'll we'll just take him to to go to my to Govardhan. So he read it out, and I, I swear to you, this is the truth. He got to the last sentence, which he had not read yet, because all of it was about Govardhan, and the last sentence said, "But if I were to somehow or other leave my body in Mayapur." I would like to be interred in Mayapur. And when I heard that, I just burst out into tears and I knew that I had been contacted and given that uh, service. You know, I served a lot with Tamal Krishna Maharaj in many different places, doing many projects. And uh, we were very close. So I spent the day in another state, emotionally. And they asked me to lead the first kirtan the next morning when he came. And then he, they asked me to go and decide where to put the samadhi. And I did that. And that was all I could take. I collapsed. But it was so interesting that Everyone was there because it was right at the end of the, you know, the GBC meeting. Every, everyone was there. And the first morning when everyone gave their condolences, their memorials, speeches, uh, not one person did not have something to say about something, that interaction that they had in which Tamal Krishnamars helped them in their spiritual lives. And that's very unusual because he was controversial. He, they, we used to call him Turmoil Krishna, because he was—he could really, you know, shake a situation up and shake other people up too. We call him hot tamale, or a chutney that was too hot to take and too sweet to resist. So. That was my experience that day. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samabeda Bhakta Brinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi, Hari Hari Bol. See you tomorrow night. Same time, same place, same topic as we finally come to the, to the time when the Bhagavatam is going to be spoken. I don't think we'll come to the end of it tomorrow, but it's coming to the end of the first canto, which is basically a historical account of what happened 
before uh, the teachings became uh, out from Sutta Goswami. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow. Hare Bo.